Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Only Beliefs Ministries this morning. We're so glad that you came. You know, you could have chose anywhere to attend church today, anywhere to be. You could have stayed at home and worked in your flower beds or done some spring cleaning, but you chose to spend your Sunday here at Only Believe, and we are glad that you chose us, right? So today, if you have not joined a home group yet, I would love to ask you to please visit the Welcome Center after service and find a home group near you or one that is according to your age group um, and get there tonight. I know we will be hosting the young adult home group at our place tonight. Uh, one of our home group leaders fell sick, so we are going to be doing that for her this week. But we want you to find fellowship outside of church in a home where you can meet some new people and get to know other people, whether it's age or your city that you live in, or maybe it's somebody that you like in church. You do the same thing. You like to garden. You like to work together. Whatever that is, bring them out. If you're already in a home group, invite somebody today. You'd be surprised at how many people will say yes to your invite, right? So, if you're a visitor here at Only Believe, we want you to fill out a card or let us know that you're here. We're glad that you're visiting with us via stream today or whether you're viewing how live with us. We're just happy that you're here as a part of our family today. Welcome, and we're glad that you're here. But as Only Believers in the house today, stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. I've got it. There you go. Diane, you were already standing as she's ushering you all up. This was on my heart this morning, and this is the question that I pose to us as a church. If the Lord was here to take inventory today, would he find a church that was fully surrendered? If he was here to take inventory, would he find a church that really believed he was the healer? Would he really find a church that would invite people that believed that they could be delivered from the strongholds in their lives? Or would he find a church that was complacent and only surrendering some? We've all heard the old hymn that says, I surrender all. But are we saying today, I surrender some? So my challenge is for us that, you know, pastor's going to deliver a word. It's going to be a sure word today in our house. You know, we have pastors, I'm just going to be honest with you, though I'm one of them, take me out of the mix. We have a church where our pastors are held to none. I'm going to be honest with you. The word that comes forth out of Pastor Dosik, Pastor Tim, Pastor Kylan, Pastor Philip in our other campuses, Pastor Rick, Pastor Randy, myself, it is a sure word. And it's one birthed out of faith, vision, and there is no way that you can't leave here today changed if you come trusting that the word of the Lord will come forth and it will not return void. There's no way that you cannot have an opportunity to give him all today in a worship service. But will we? Because I refuse to allow my neighbor to inhibit my personal worship. I refuse because I'm called to worship. I'm called to take off the garment of heaviness and put on the oil of joy. I'm gonna put on the garment of praise in a situation that doesn't require me to do anything but sit there and just accept what life delivers. 
I'm done accepting what life delivers. And I'm ready to expect something different today. If Jesus came to take inventory, would he look at us and say, that's counted worthy because I want to be amongst his inventory. It's a challenge to you today to give all and not just some.
felt no worth. You paid it all for me. so, so kind to me. And oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Oh, it chases me down, fights till I'm trapped, leaves the 99. Oh, I couldn't turn it, I don't deserve it, still you yourself away oh the overwhelming never ending reckless love of God
our King. He's not a far away God. He's here. The word says where two or three are gathered in your name, in his name, that he's there in the midst. Don't let this moment pass you by. We're singing a very intimate song of dearest father, my very closest friend. It's the most beautiful thing I've seen. So let's take a moment. As a sign of surrender today, let's lift our hands and let's begin to worship him. Let's begin to worship him in your own words, in your heavenly language. Begin to lift him up this morning. Begin to lift him on high this morning. Father, we've come to magnify you this morning, Lord. Lord, this moment's not going to pass us by, Father, without declaring who you are. Because you're good. You're good in all your ways. You are for us. Father, I thank you that we get to commune with you. I thank you, Lord, that we get to worship you this morning. Lord, I don't take it lightly, Father, but we get to praise you this morning. We get to come into your courts openly and freely. Father, we worship you this morning. We worship you this morning. You're holy. 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 There's no one like you. There's no one like you. You're holy. You're worthy. You are
Just one word changes our situation. Two songs back to back. There's people here today that need to know that no matter how far you've run up the mountain, that God's going to go up the mountain and chase you down. That there's no demonic power that's after you, no addiction, no spirit that has come after you hard enough that God won't reveal the shadow and remove it. That there's no valley too deep that Jesus won't crawl down on his knees to meet you. There's no lie that he won't tear down about you. And that's not what others say. It's a lie that the enemy tells you every single day that this is what you are. This is who you are. You're not good enough. You're not loved. You're too sinful. And God says, there's no lie I won't tear down to reveal who I am to you. I call you lovely. I call you righteous. I call you sanctified. I call you enough. I say you're loved when everything in this life says that you're not. I say that you're deserving because I made you deserve it. There's no shadow that he won't light up for you. There's no wall that he won't tear down, that you've built between you and him, that he'll tear it straight down so that you can look to him eye to eye and he can tell you, you are loved. You are loved. The devil served a platter of lies to every Christian in this building and every backslidden Christian and to every sinner here today. But God says, today, you are loved. God says you are victorious in the midst of the storm. God says that I will provide when the world says I can't. I will prove myself to you. As a people of God, I have proven myself before and I will prove myself again. To the backslider, I will prove that my love will go an extra mile. No matter how many times you've said, I want to live for you and you've fallen back, I will take you back again and again and again because I love you. And if you're a sinner here today, he says, come to me. Just come the way you are. You don't have to be perfect. He was made perfect so that we could come to him broken. And on the cross, he gave us perfection. If you're here today and you've believed the lies of the devil, this is your moment. This is your moment to say, God, I'm done hearing what he says. I'm no longer going to be called not enough. I'm no longer going to be what he says I am that he plays over and over in your head. Jesus, God, is here to destroy the work of the enemy in your mind. It's not just a thought. You've let it sit long enough that it's become a stronghold. And that stronghold has roots. And those roots are running deep into your soul. And it's changing who God meant you to be. If that's you, I want you down front. Because I'm telling you, the pastors, we're going to pray for you. 
and we're going to rip out the stronghold of the enemy. Because I'm telling you that if we are to be Christ, come on, there it is, there it is. Let the heart, let the heart lead you today. If that's in your heart and you're saying, I've struggled and I cannot get this root ripped out. It's deep in me, Nicole. We're going to pray. Thank you. If you're a backslider that's here today, or you're a sinner, and you've never never heard the gospel message. You've never responded to the good news. You've never responded to the news of the cross that he came to purchase you. He came to pay your price. You didn't earn it. You didn't deserve it. But because of what he did at Calvary, he gave it freely to you and I, and now it's ours to receive. Forgiveness of sin. I'm not guaranteeing you a perfect life, but what I am guaranteeing you is a father that will never leave you. I'm guaranteeing you somebody that will walk with you until your last day upon this life. And that with God, the things that were bad in your life, all things are possible if you only believe. If that's you, I want you down here. And whoever prays for you today, I want you to say, I am a sinner, I am a backslider, and I am coming home today I believe God's moving the shadows and he's climbed up this place where I've tried to run so far that if I thought I went to the highest mountain, he could not find me. Oh, but he's come. Oh, but he's come. Pastors, if you would come and pray. Mom, Dad, Pastor Beth is not here yet. I'm going to come down. Ashley, if you would, keep your music rolling. We're going to pray.
There's no wall you won't kick down, line you won't tear down, coming after me. There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, line you won't tear down, coming after me. No shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. No, there's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. the Lord. Prayed over a lot of people. Thank you, church family, for being faithful to stand and use your faith in the gap. There was a day that you and I needed deliverance from something. Amen. Thank you. Brother Bud, I'm going to ask that you come and take the offering. I know when the Spirit's moving, you hate to stop that it's moving, but everyone up here has been prayed for. And what we know is that the Spirit doesn't just move through prayer and through worship and that's all amazing but that he also moves through the written word of God and when our pastor gets up and shares the word of God we're guaranteed that one thing will not return void and that is the word so we're going to be sure today to make room for the word God is good thank God for our worship team amen and the spirit of a living God. Hallelujah. I want to talk to you just a little this morning. Some things I jotted down from uh, reading uh, the scriptures. Uh, honor God by giving. Enrich your life by giving. And make room for more blessing. Can you say amen? The tithe, when you tithe, you're showing how awesome God is. And not only that, but being aware that he owns the universe. And we can't give him anything 
but he desires us to give because he wants to get something to us. Can you say amen? When we give to God, God is always faithful to give us, give us. If you read Psalms 24, you'll find out that God is the owner and he is the blesser of all of us from the rising of the sun until the going down of the same. The name of the Lord is to be praised. Can you say amen? Yes, God designed the tithing not to get us to give just to a church or to a cause, but he designed the tithe to get something to us. Can you say amen? How many of you know that God gave first? Amen. We cannot outgive him. Glory to God. Also, I find in Mark chapter 4, verses 24 and 25 that giving is an ultimate way to enrich our spirit man to know the will and the plan and the person person that God is to us when we know him as giver and savior we also know him and we know that he is able to give back what he said he would give us back. Can you say amen? So you enrich your life by learning the principles of giving. You give to the local assembly and to the local community that we can receive back. And when we do that, we show our appreciation for our pastors and our leaders in our local assembly that we appreciate them. Can you say amen? Because it will always come back to us. Can you say praise God? You know, on a given day, we very seldom ever see the chore or the call that they have on their life and their activity. But I want to assure you that they're there if you call them. Can you say amen? God is a good God. Ain't that right? And I found out giving can become an anchor in your life if you know the principles, and that anchor will take you through any storm that comes your way. Can you say amen? It may blow you around a little, but you'll know you're anchored in God, and you won't be too far away. Can you say amen? He's always there if you call upon his name. Is that good or not? Ultimately, we tithe to give to our church and to our communities, but most of all, it is a way to sow, to invest in your church and in your community that we can reap the blessings to come. And you'll find that in Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Can you say amen? Let us pray. Father, we just thank you today, God, that you are always enough, and you're always the same. You don't change. And God, those that give today, and those that has never been able to pay tithes or never had 
the unction to do so, God, I pray today God challenged them that they would start tithing. And God, and in their tithing, God, you promised God that you would rebuke the devourer for their sakes. And God, you'll do exactly what you said in your word. God, you will bring blessing to them. And Father, when they give of their offering up and above the tithe, God, that you're going to give it pressed down and shaken together and running over. Father, we give you the praise, the glory, and all the honor. And God's people said, Amen. God bless you. Bless the Lord. Oh, come on, somebody. Bless the Lord, oh, my soul. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. I hope you had a glorious Easter, and I hope you realize that today is a reminder of the devil that it happened once and for all. Amen. Praise God. Let's turn our Bibles today to Luke 11 and verse 10. Luke 11 and verse 10. I'm going to start speaking for the next couple of weeks about the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is a necessity even for the new birth. You can't be saved without the work of the Holy Ghost. So we're going to talk about the Holy Ghost in the next few weeks. You might say, well, how significant is it? Well, we need him because he can build us up on our most holy faith. We need him because he can show us things to come. We need him because he is, is as personal in our life as Jesus was in the disciples. I will send you another comforter. So we're going to learn some things about the Holy Ghost. And there are probably going to be things that just tear your theology totally up. And I hope it does. Not bad enough to get you to leave, but... It doesn't matter if it's in your crawl, it's in your crawl. Sometimes you can have the wrong things in your system. Amen? 
Luke, the 11th chapter, and verse 10. And it says, For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Now, if you will study the scriptures, what you're going to find is that this is a truth to a particular group of people. Those that worship and do God's will, him God hears. God does not hear the sinner. And if you're here today, you're a sinner, I make no apologies. That's your choice. Now, God loves you, and he's made a way for you to have answered prayer. And there are doors that will never be opened to you that only the people of God, the children of God, will ever be able to see. And those that seek will find if they belong to God. Now, in verse 11, it says, If a son, somebody say son, shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, Will he give him a stone? Or if he ask him a fish, will he give him for a fish a serpent? Or if he, the son, would ask the father, would if he ask an egg, will he give him a scorpion? If ye then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? To them that ask him. Some of the words in this small portion of Scripture I want to bring out to verify who the Holy Ghost is. The Holy Ghost, number one, is not using Witches, soothsayers, palm readers, astrologers, or fortune tellers, or mediums that you may see on TV that say, well, it is a gift from God. It is not a gift from God when it is being used through wicked people. The Bible says that God will give the Holy Ghost to those that are his children, he as a father. So in order to have the Holy Ghost, anyone that asks it must be in a relationship with God. This is a benefit of sonship. This is a benefit of relation with God. And then it reveals to us this. It reveals to us that when you ask the Father for the Holy Ghost, he will not give you anything else. In other words, when someone is asking for the gift, that's what the Bible called it, a gift or the gift of the Holy Ghost, he receives that gift. He doesn't receive something that mimics another person. He does not receive something that would copy someone. He does not receive anything 
nor could he from the devil. And if you ask for the Holy Ghost, you get the Holy Ghost. Amen? Some people are afraid they're going to copy you. No, you're not. Some people are afraid that, well, you know, it'll be the devil. No, it's not. Some people are afraid that it's going to be their own self. Well, just what made you so smart when you prayed that you were able to speak another language when you struggle with English? Come on, you're not that wise. Could have get an amen. You say, well, I don't know what I'm saying. Your wife has been telling you that for years. That's one thing. The second thing is that, you know what? You do not know, but your heavenly Father knows what you're saying. He is giving you that language. Okay? All right. So that's the first thing. And we as people of God need the Holy Ghost in the world that we live in. We cannot live without the Spirit of God. Amen? And so the Holy Ghost is a gift that only the people, those that are born again, can receive. It is never denied any believer. I've heard people say, oh, well, you know, God just didn't give it to me. So God's the liar, and you're the wise one. No, God doesn't lie. But I also want to emphasize that you have to believe that you receive the Holy Ghost and that God will not give you a scorpion, a serpent, or anything like that. Most people talk themselves out of receiving from God because they think they'll get something evil, because they think that they're not good enough, because they think that God hasn't heard them, they're not ready. They think all of these things that are not true. And you can't let lies bring you to God. You come to God based on faith. Amen? All right. So we see that these gifts are for the believer. Now, when you, we talk about the Holy Ghost, some people would call it the second measure of grace. And the word grace, when followed through, simply means a bestowment or a gift. So salvation is a gift that we receive by grace through faith. It's not of works. In other words, you get something you don't believe. Now, when you asked God to save you, did he save you or are you just deceived and you're still a sinner? You got saved. Well, I hope that will go clear through the sanctuary. Somebody say, I'm saved. I'm saved. And you would tell any sinner, no matter what condition he was in, that when he prayed the prayer of faith and asked God to forgive him, that God forgave him. Amen? God's not a liar. So God is true. And so 
when we ask for the Holy Ghost, we have to understand that God gives it to us. And it could be called a second gift. It could be called a different, uh, another measure of grace. But it's all in the redemption of man. It's all in the benefits of sonship. It's an all-inclusive work. God paid for everything you would ever need in this life. And we need the Holy Ghost. We need it today more than we have ever needed it. So the Father and the Son relationship is necessary for people to receive the Holy Ghost. And so backsliders, people that have never known Christ, those that do not walk with God, it is not a part of their lifestyle. They have separated themselves from it. Amen? Now, it's important that you and I understand that Jesus told us, go to Jerusalem and you shall receive power. When the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Now, when we think about that, we just think, well, that's just a Christian cliche. No, it's not. It is a warning. Jesus says, you go to Jerusalem and don't go out into a war zone that you're going to run into sick, depressed, broken, demon-possessed people without the Holy Ghost, without the Holy Ghost. Don't do it. Jesus, when he enters into the ministry at the River Jordan, being baptized, water baptized, by John the Baptist, he goes out and is baptized, and when he's baptized, the Holy Ghost comes down and fills Jesus to the brim, fills him, doesn't baptize him. John is baptizing him. He is filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, was Jesus the Son of God? Did Jesus himself need the Holy Ghost? Absolutely. The Bible says that Jesus was sent by God, anointed by God, and with the Holy Ghost. And he went about doing good and healing all those that were oppressed of the devil. And you and I need to understand that we desperately need the Holy Ghost. More than we need anything, we need the Holy Ghost. The Bible tells us in 1 John 4, 1 through 4, could I have that on the screen? 1 John, 1, 1 John 4, 1 through 4. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are going out into the world. Next verse. Oh, there it is. I'm sorry. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God, every spirit that confesseth 
that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesses not that the Lord Jesus Christ is come in the flesh, he is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, watch this, wherefore you have heard that it should come and even now is in this world. We are in a war zone. Ye are of God, little children, have overcome them. What? False prophets, antichrist, their plans, their schemes, their bewitchery. And it says, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Now, who is in the world? The devil. Who is in the world? Antichrist. Who is in the world? False prophets, false preachers. How can we tell the difference? Because of the greater one. Somebody say the greater one. Without the greater one, you're at the mercy of the defeated one. Satan is a defeated foe. But unless you have the Holy Ghost with you, you will never be aware of his plans, his purposes, and his activity in your life. And so when we get saved, we become the children of God. And if we become the children of God, then we are led by the Spirit of God. We are led about to do what? Overcome false prophets, overcome antichrist, overcome deception, overcome blindness, overcome fear. See, those things come from the opposer and the enemy of God and the enemy of all unrighteousness. And so you and I as Christians need the Holy Ghost or we will never be able to resist, fight, and overcome the devil. I don't know about you. I don't want to live a life of losing every day. I want to live a life of victory. I want to live the abundant life that Jesus came to give me. And when this happens, the Bible says that they that are led of the Spirit of God are the sons of God. And that word sons of God simply means this, that when you are led of the Holy Ghost, you will walk in the fullness of your redemption and your sonship in Christ. God doesn't want to give you sonship and you just lollygag around and, and bounce like a ping-pong ball all over the table. He wants you to have focus. He wants you to have victory. He wants you to know where your enemy is, what he's doing, how he's doing it, so that you can overcome. Amen. There's no place that God wants the believer to be overwhelmed, to be overcome, or to be defeated. Amen. Now, we have been given this 
because it is a prophetic word given by Joel. And if you'd go to Joel, the second chapter and verse 28. Joel, if you'll go to chapter 2, verse 28, we'll read where the day of Pentecost, the outpouring of God's Spirit, where men were filled with the Holy Ghost. Somebody say filled. Filled Filled with the Holy Ghost. And it says, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions. Now, if you will go down to verse 32, or I'll tell you what, let's just, let's go back up to verse 29, and we'll read down to that. And also upon your servants, upon the handmaidens, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire, pillars of smoke. And the sun shall be turned into darkness, and the moon into blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord. That's the rapture of the church. And then it says, and it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance. And the Lord hath said, and in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. This is the fulfillment that Peter preached in Acts the second chapter. And he quoted this when they said, what must we do? He told them this is the fulfillment of the prophecy of Joel. Now, what this reveals to us in verse 28 on down through 32 is there is an outpouring of God's Spirit. Why does God pour out his Spirit? Didn't. I have a bottle. Oh, thank you. (coughs) Now, he says this, I will pour out my spirit so we can have feel-good messages. No. I pour out my spirit so that the ordinary people what we would call common people that are born again shall be able to prophesy, shall be able to dream dreams. So God tells us that when this spirit, the Holy Ghost is poured out upon us, that you and I receive a supernatural ability to live as it were from the kingdom of God and its source and power. It's no longer I, but Christ that lives in me. You and I are now living in a supernatural world. We are now citizens of heaven. 
We've been redeemed from the kingdom of darkness. Colossians 1, 13 to 15. But what we have to understand, the devil is not on vacation. He is like a roaring lion going around seeking whom he may devour. And we will never see him, know him, understand him, or be able to overcome him unless we are filled with the Holy Ghost and equipped by God. And so it's necessary that you and I be filled with the Holy Ghost. I've heard people say, well, you know, I, I just don't want the Holy Ghost. They're the stars of stupid is and stupid will be. And I don't mean to insult them, people, but I done said it. And I want you to understand people that refuse to acknowledge that they need God are people that think more of themselves and less of God than any person should ever think. Who doesn't need God? Everybody needs God. Amen? And so... When the Holy Ghost is poured out, what God is doing is this. He is enabling you and I to draw from the greater source of supernatural, unlimited power, even though we live in mortal bodies. That's how we can not just be a part or to live in the Spirit, but that we also walk in the Spirit. That is the enablement that reveals to people that we are not common individuals. And too many Christians live as common individuals. Now, there's nothing wrong with being common, but you shouldn't be common after You've been filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen? And you have been recreated, born again. And that is the work of the Holy Ghost. I really didn't want to get into this. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm going to, yep. Let's go to... Uh, Matthew, the third chapter. Because many things that we talk, we talk wrong terminology. And it confuses the whole body of Christ. And if you really want in a deep study of it, you can go out there and buy my book, The Treasures of the Kingdom. Oh, you just want to sell books. Well, it wouldn't hurt. I mean, they are paid for, and, uh, you know, I got to recuperate money some way. I tried giving them away with the homeless people and asking for a donation. Nobody gave me nothing. I said, well, I'm making this much at church, so they don't give nothing either for the book. And uh, so, but let's look at Matthew, the third chapter. 
And let's look at verse 10. And now the axe is laid unto the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which bringeth forth not good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Now watch what John is talking about. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you. Let's stop right there. What is John baptizing people to? Repentance, or really, it's reversed. He is baptizing them because of repentance. And it is a sign of washing away the old man and cleansing the outer man. It is a symbolism, an example of the new birth. The man repents. He then is dry. He then goes down and comes up what? Wet. What is that? The new creation. He came up in an identity that he never went down in. So in one sense, he is a new creature. That's what John is doing. And in the repentance and the renewal of the new man, he is reconciled unto God, given a free slate to walk with God. Okay, now let's go back to verse 11. And it says, And he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. Whose fan is in his hand, he shall thoroughly purge his floor, gather his wheat into the gardener, and he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Notice what it says, and he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. Now, who's he speaking of? Somebody say Jesus. You're right, talking about Jesus. And what's he going to do? Jesus is going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost at repentance. In other words, not with water, because water joins men to God in the old covenant. But he's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost. Somebody say, with the Holy Ghost. Anybody know what baptism means? What? Immerse. Thank God. Hallelujah. One Christian that knows we shouldn't sprinkle people. Now, I would sprinkle people if they were in a hospital bed and couldn't get there and all that. I won't sprinkle babies because that was an old thing brought out of Exodus, you know, and Catholicism born, then the Lutherans and the Methodists, and it's just a money deal. 
<laughs> Give their money back and let the kids live because they're guiltless. And so, Jesus is going to baptize or immerse someone with the Holy Ghost. Immerse with the Holy Ghost. And if you had turned to Acts 2-1, we could see that. You don't have a Bible. You got one of them electronic. David, what are you doing? You're trying to get to Acts 2-1. Hallelujah. Acts 2-1. Let's see what happened on Acts 2-1, David. Acts 2-1. All right. And it says this. And when the day was of Pentecost was fully come, they were with all one accord in one place. And suddenly there come a sound from heaven of a mighty rushing wind. In the Holy Ghost, a symbolism of wind. And it says, and it filled the house where they were seated. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. Now, the house has just become filled with the Holy Ghost. Filled, 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 filled. Whatever is in the house now has been baptized because the house has been filled. Pretty common, pretty, pretty basic, right? Everything in that house has been immersed. And the result of it is they are now born again. Nobody could be born again without it being granted unto them the time frame that John the Baptist said, he shall baptize you with a Holy Ghost and fire. Nobody could be born again until Jesus was glorified, John 737 down through 39. You couldn't be born again. You could follow him, but under the old covenant, you couldn't be born again. Amen? That's why paradise was established to keep those that were not born again, but believed. And so when Jesus goes and preaches to the captive, who does he preach to? He does not preach to those that have went to hell. Abraham already told you, you cannot get out of there. But we want to make a bridge. Purgatory. Other lies and fallacies of the scriptures. No, just listen to what Abraham said. Listen to what the scriptures say. My word, the truth will set you free. Amen? And religion will make you crazy. And I'm not against Methodists. I'm not against, I'm not against anybody. But you have to tell the people the truth. If you know they're lying, how in the world can you say, oh, yeah, just keep going down to this road and you'll reach Kansas when you know that Kansas 
Is that West? Is West. But, well, I just didn't want to discourage him. <laughs> Bless your heart. All right. So, now they're new creatures. Remember the formula. You got to be in the family before the Holy Ghost can be received. Whoa. So, they were sitting in the, it was filled with the wind of the Holy Ghost, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. What is that? God's given them the Holy Ghost. And they were all filled. See, they already been baptized. Quit asking people, have you been baptized in the Holy Ghost? If they're saved, yes. I know you've been telling the Baptist, no, you're not. You ain't baptized with the Holy Ghost till you speak in tongues. That's not true at all. One is the work. The other is the receiving. You take the old wineskin, which you were filled with old wine. You're hard. You can't be applied. You can't be changed. You're just hard. You take that old wineskin and you push it down in a vat of oil and you start rubbing it. Really, you baptize the old vat. You put it down in there and pretty soon it begins to soften up. Pretty soon it becomes pliable. Now, whatever you put on the inside of it transforms the outside of it. And when you pour enough wine in it, here comes this sound. So you have a new language. Now, they are filled with the Holy Ghost. David, thank you for carrying a real live Bible. <laughs> Isn't this amazing? Yes, Paper. Wow, yes, leather. Whoa, gee, many. Boy, that's a nice Bible. <laughs> Where in the world did you get that? Yeah. That's old bookstore. My word, David. Thanks. Could have bought me one, and we could have had matching ones. But, all right, now. So now we see something. We see that people that are born again, even though they don't have the Holy Ghost, are baptized in the Holy Ghost. But in our Pentecostal enthusiasm, connected to a misconception of Scripture, we use the word or the term baptized in the Holy Ghost. Or they would say baptized with the Holy Ghost. Whichever one you're talking about refers to the act of repentance and God's response to that act. You find that in 1 Corinthians 12, chapter verse 13 on down, that we are all baptized into Christ. Ephesians, the fourth chapter, says 
there is only one baptism, and that is the baptism into Christ, whereby we don't speak in tongues, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Sonship must precede receiving of the infilling of the Holy Ghost. One is the work, the other is the person. Amen? All righty. Hallelujah. So, where do we want to go now? Probably shouldn't have went there. All right, but remember that when Paul, which was a, a great establisher of the need of the infilling of the Holy Ghost. When Paul runs into Jesus on the road of Damascus, Jesus leads Paul to a room. He's in that room for three days. He's waiting on God. He's praying and he's fasting. He's now blind because of the glory of God. He has repented, so he has been made a child of God. He's been baptized in the Holy Ghost on the road to Damascus. How do I know that? Well, because God tells a man called Ananias, Paul prayeth. Now, how would God know Paul was praying? Because God only hears those that worship him and doeth his will. So, Paul is legitimately born again, baptized in the Holy Ghost. Old wineskin submerged in the presence of the Holy Ghost. And Paul is in this room for three days. And God tells Ananias, hey, Ananias, you want to do something for me? Sure, man. Yeah, oh, God, hallelujah. Anything for you, old king. I want you to go into this upper room, and I want you to go in it. And there's a man called Saul, Paul. And he prayeth. In other words, he's your brother. Ananias said, well... I'm glad you trust in that scoundrel. You know how many people he's killed? You know how many people he has slaughtered for nothing except the faith that you want me to go up there and share with him? I know you say he's praying, but, buddy, you got more faith in him than I do because I just don't trust the chief of all sinners. So, but Ananias goes. And he says, hey, Paul, God sent me here to lay hands on you that you would receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. The terminology baptized in the Holy Ghost 
is no longer used except for the new birth in the new covenant. But we confuse everybody trying to be spiritual. We just show that we don't understand what the truth of the matter is. Now, Paul receives his sight, and Paul is filled with the Holy Ghost. How do you think Ananias knew Paul was, received the Holy Ghost? You think he just trusted his intuition? Well, I just feel like you got it, Paul. Are you kidding? That Ananias is, doesn't trust anybody that is in that room with Paul or Paul himself. And he is going to be going out of the room like this. Because he knows that Paul kills Christians. And he's already made a confession. God told me to come. And so... Ananias must have had evidence that this man, Paul, had received the Holy Ghost. Paul was a great confirmer of that the gift of tongues was the only evidence besides prophecy to confirm that a man had received the Holy Ghost. Received the Holy Ghost. So when we believe that somebody receives the Holy Ghost, we are to expect evidence. Paul asked in Acts the 19th chapter, the men that were receiving uh, were coming back from Ephesus. There were 12 of them, and they were talking about Jesus. And Paul said, hey, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? In other words, you can believe, be baptized in the Holy Ghost, be a child of God, and not have the Holy Ghost. Amen? But, but we're sealed with the Holy Ghost. We are sealed with the spirit of adoption. Now, so Paul asked them, have you received the Holy Ghost? Now, if they were Pentecostal or charismatic, they would have said, well, of course, I prayed, I got it. Pretty good answer, except you will know them by their fruit. I don't believe every Christian. I want to see their life. That's where the proof of the pudding is. Proof of the pudding is not because you come to church. The proof of the pudding is not because you tithe, because you raise your hands. That is proof 
that you're in church and you're doing what learned behavior does. So we as Christians are to expect fruit from your life. Now, about as soon as I say that, you say, oh, well, you can't judge me. Who told you that? Now, you, he that maketh a lie is damned. So be careful because the Bible tells me that he that is spiritual judges all things and I am supposed to judge those that are within the body of Christ, but I don't judge those that are not. Now, we wear those shoes backwards. We judge every stinking roach in the world. We judge everything, every talk show host, every movie star. We judge everybody except those that we are running around with that are breaking the commandments. We don't want to judge them because they get mad and not be our friends. So, we want to make sure that we expect the evidence that the Holy Ghost and the apostles tell us to expect. doesn't mean that they're bad people if they, you know, say, well, by faith I believe I receive. Well, I understand that. But you are to use your faith for evidence. And your evidence of speaking in tongues is you receiving the gift that's freely been given to you. And if you don't speak in tongues, make the utterance that's been given to you, then you have just simply said, no. But thank God for the mercies of God new every morning. You get a second chance, 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 and a second chance. On and on and on. So, you sin against God, you're supposed to forgive a brother seven times 70. That means every two and a half minutes you have the potential to sin against man and God. My wife says, I supersede that against her every day. I said, I haven't said anything for two and a half minutes. Right there's what I'm talking about, no communication. Where have you been? I went to the bathroom. See, that's what I mean. You always want to divide. Well, next time I'll just stay in the living room and use it. There's always going to be problems. There's always going to be differences. But when it comes to the Scripture, we're not going to be different. We're going to believe what the Bible says. Now, next week we'll get into more on the Holy Ghost. There's so much more. How was Jesus the perfect son of God? By the power of the greater one in him than he that was in the world. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Lift your hands up towards heaven. Father, 
Boy, do we love you. We love the truth. We love God insight, understanding. We love revelation knowledge. And God never let us use knowledge to demean, to divide, to separate, but let us take truth and set people free. No, God let our truth be saturated with love one towards another. And God, we just ask that you keep us and guide us. I release blessing upon businesses and homes. I release healing upon vexed people. God, upon those that are afflicted, upon those that are in a struggle, you devil by the power and the authority of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I command you to loose them and I command them to be set free. In the name of Jesus, come out of them. Oh God, now I loose freedom and peace. Let those that can't sleep, sleep the righteous. God, Holy Ghost, come. Come and use us. Let the greatness of the Holy Ghost radiate through us and declare the defeat of Satan in Jesus' name. Amen. Nikki? Yes, thank you, Dad, Pastor Dosick. Um, church, we have an opportunity as a family, and not often are we posed with these opportunities because we don't know when they come along, but last fall we had um, done some wood cutting for a family in the church, but we have a family that was highly impacted from the tornado that came through St. Mary's in Wapak. And it literally picked a lot of things up off of their property, ripped some barns apart, some roofs, moved a lot of debris. And this family is unable to take care of all the debris on their own. Um, they have a dumpster. They've called in all of the help they have, but they're still asking for seven abled bodies to be able to help uh, with barn wood, big sheets of metal, things like that. We're asking for this help next Saturday at 9 a.m. It's already organized and they've got everything set up for them. Um, if I could have a couple carpenters, that would be great. If I don't have carpenters, it might take a little bit of barn repair, trying to get them sealed again, things like that. Um, if I have I know it's planting season. I'm seeing farmers out there right now. I get it. But if I can get seven men, I'll take women, um, but I might need a little more than seven if I only have women. I'm not saying you're not hard workers, but it says that God made the man significantly different than the woman, and he is stronger than we are. I believe that's in physical body. You have more muscles than we have. Um, so I need some men to be involved. Um, do I? Can I get seven volunteers? Okay, one two, three, this is in St. Mary's at 9 a.m., four, five, yes, couple more, couple more, yes, 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 okay, would you meet with me over here in the corner right after service, and I'm going to give you some information, and Jessica, if you would also meet with me, Miss Pierce, that would be beautiful, and uh, church, we love you, 
thank you for coming out today. Um, just let me, let me get you ready. There's no way that Pastor Dosik is teaching a message on the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the infilling of the Holy Spirit if we're not going to be praying for you to be filled with his spirit. So get ready. Begin to get ready over the next few weeks that if you are not infilled with the Holy Spirit and the evidence of speaking in tongues, we will be praying for you in the next few weeks. So begin to prepare your heart to receive a free gift from the Lord. You are worthy. He will give it. He will deliver on his word. Amen. Father, bless this church and this congregation as we go. Father, help us to be a blessing to others throughout this week. And Father, bring us an opportunity to share the gospel with the world this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. And I'll meet all of those volunteers up here at the front.